0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a fifteen to twenty-minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Do 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 do. Good morning, and welcome to Friday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. I apologize for the late drop this morning. I had to. Well, I didn't have to. I had the pleasure. Of joining my son for muffins at his daycare this morning. So, um, Mom's Day comes first, and I got to see all of the crafts Little Man made for me. So, um, it was a very great morning. Um, But I do apologize that I didn't get this out beforehand. So, happy Friday. I hope you guys are prepared to celebrate the women who brought you into this world and the women who brought your children into this world in style. As always, Palmetto State Armory is the best in the game when it comes to producing freedom and putting it in the hands of as many Americans as possible for the most affordable price. Today, I'm doing something a little bit different. The link in the show description is not a specific product link. It is just a link to the daily deals that are available because honestly, I just couldn't pick one or two today. Um, I'm going to try really hard to keep this episode between 15 and 20 minutes and get back to my roots of quick episodes, Um, but you guys know me, and it's probably not going to happen. The first story has me singing, all we do is win, 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 no matter what. Um, A federal judge in Virginia invalidated a set of federal restrictions that prohibit people under the age of 21 years old from purchasing a handgun from federally licensed firearm dealers finding the rules violate the Second Amendment. In a 65-page decision issued Wednesday, U.S. Senior District Judge Robert Payne ruled in favor of four men who are over the age of 18 but not yet 21 and want to purchase handguns. One of the men, John Corey Frazier, attempted to buy a Glock 19X handgun from a federal firearms licensed dealer in May of 2022 but was denied the purchase because of his age. The four men challenged federal laws and regulations from the ATF that prohibit the sale of handguns by federally licensed dealers to prospective buyers ages 18 to 20, arguing it does not comport with the Second Amendment. In his opinion, Payne applied the framework laid out by the Supreme Court in its opinion last June for determining whether firearms rules pass constitutional muster. Under that test from the decision in the New York v. Bruin, the government must demonstrate that gun restrictions are consistent with the nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. Under the analytical framework established in Bruin, the government simply has not met its burden to support the finding that restrictions on the purchasing of firearms by 18 to 20 year olds is part of our nation's history and tradition, Payne wrote later concluding that because the statutes and regulations at the center of the dispute are, quote, not consistent with our nation's history and tradition, they therefore cannot stand. Payne noted that other rights enshrined in the Constitution, including the First, Fourth, Fifth, Eighth, and Fourteenth Amendments, vest before the age of 21 and said no federal appellate court or the Supreme Court has squarely determined that the Second Amendment's rights vest at age 21. If the court were to, conclu- were to exclude 18 to 21-year-olds from the Second Amendment's protection, it would then impose limitations on the Second Amendment that do not exist, with other constitutional guarantees. Payne continued, The Second Amendment's protections apply to 18 to 20-year-olds. By adopting the Second Amendment, the people constrained both the hands of Congress and the court's, to infringe upon this right by denying ordinary, law-abiding citizens of this age the full enjoyment of the right to keep and bear arms, unless the restriction is supported by the nation's history. That is what Bruin tells us. I shortly proceeded to take a bath in the tears of every town law, bemoaning their loss. They filed an amicus curiae saying that the federal law Prohibiting federally licensed firearms dealers from selling handguns to individuals under the age of 21 is not just an essential tool for preventing gun violence. It is also entirely constitutional, said Janet Carter, Senior Director of Issues and Appeals at Everytown Law in a statement. The court's ruling will undoubtedly put lives at risk. It must be reversed. I stand by my opinion that every town and Moms Demand Action are domestic terrorist organizations seeking to usurp the civil liberties of every law-abiding American in the name of boxed wine and gated communities, and I hope they go bankrupt when their wealthy boomer benefactors are no longer around to prop them up. Another funny story to share with y'all this morning is the new defamation lawsuit that has been levied against Fox News by Nina Jankowitz. I'm sure you remember her. She's the Mary Poppins meets Joseph Gables wannabe that was going to head up the governmental propaganda uh, disinformation board at the Department of Homeland Security. In the lawsuit filed Wednesday, Nina Jankowicz alleged that multiple Fox News hosts spread lies about her work fueling an internet campaign against her that ultimately led to her resignation and the disbandment of the group. The group was created in April of 2022, but paused just three weeks later after a barrage of attacks. Jenkowitz resigned, and in August, the group was shut down. Jenkowitz's lawsuit focuses on three claims she says that Fox levied against her. One, that she intended to censor speech. Two, that she was fired, not that she quit. Three, that she wanted to give verified Twitter users, including herself, the power to edit others' tweets, a claim that was taken from a video clip used out of context. Several of these falsehoods stand out as especially destructive and directly contrary to available, verifiable evidence, the lawsuit says. The lawsuit also says Fox hosts continuously attacked Jenkowitz, calling her a wicked witch, a disinformation czarist, and a lunatic, among other things. The irony is that she is suing a press organization which is protected by the First Amendment, while simultaneously suggesting that she didn't intend to censor speech. Now, she's just punishing you on the back end for speech that she didn't like. The suit adds, Fox's defamatory coverage has caused Jenkowitz and her family immense suffering. Jenkowitz has been doxxed, threatened, harassed, and even cyber-stalked. Now, to be clear, I do not believe that physically showing up to a person's home should be tolerated in any way, shape, or form. However, I have seen what these people call threats and harassment. When you dilute the meaning of these things, it's hard not to see you as the girl who was a wolf, wearing sheep's clothing, telling the woodsman he should have left you, to eat Red Riding Hood and now he's the bad guy threatening and harassing messages social media posts are usually linked to Fox's coverage of Jenkowitz and nearly always premised on Fox's Fox's false statement that Jenkowitz intends to police online speech speaking to the New York Times Jenkowitz said that Fox News used her as a punching bag even after her resignation and the closure of the disinformation governance board it should be something it shouldn't be something we just accept she said the most powerful cable network in the world can attack individuals willy-nilly and not face any consequences after they ruin their lives hmm. I wonder how many lives government Gover- Wait, disinformation governance's boards. Like, I wonder how many lives that would have ruined, and and no accountability would have been found. Um, it actually makes me incredibly happy that this lawsuit is happening because at the time that Jankowitz all this took place, she was a government U.S. government employee. That means through discovery, it will include all documents pertaining to the disinformation governance board and what its intentions were. Good luck proving that the government wasn't planning on trying to censor speech. We have seen ample evidence in the Twitter files that that is all they have wanted. Maybe don't work for authoritative agencies in the U.S. government and pretend that you have the right to assert authority and violate civil liberties of Americans. They might push back on you. Speaking of Twitter, Elon Musk on Thursday said that he has found a new CEO to take over Twitter months after he promised to step back from the role. The new CEO will assume the role at Twitter, which is now known as Corp, in the coming weeks, uh, six weeks, I think. He did not provide a name. However, the Wall Street Journal has reported that Linda Yaccarino, Yark- not sure how you say her name, because I never know how to say anybody's names. Um, uh, She was NBC Universal's head of advertising, and she has since resigned as of this morning. I happened to catch that tidbit before I got back home. So um, it appears that she is, in fact, the person. Uh, Musk said he will become Twitter's executive chair and chief technology officer overseeing product, software, and system operations. Musk recently said that Twitter is now trending to break even after previously saying it was at risk of bankruptcy. Now the company's new CEO will be tasked with trying to help turn around the struggling company and help Musk recoup some of the $44 billion he spent acquiring the platform. Even as Musk prepares to step back from the CEO role, he will likely maintain significant control over the future direction of the company, and thank God for that, Because if the rumors are true, this woman has involvement with the WEF, she was big on masking, and um, certainly doesn't give me confidence in this notion of a free speech platform. After taking over the company in October, Musk cleared out the C-suite, dissolved the board, and became both the CEO and sole director of the platform. Uh, I spoke with a really good friend last night who's a Border Patrol agent, and I asked him if the influx coming is as bad as they say it is, and he said, no, it's worse. According to him, he met with Border Patrol clinicians, and the volume of agents who are reaching out for mental health has exploded. To further illustrate how bad it is, he said that they were given an order to release as they overflow in the facilities, The higher-ups are worried about riots inside the processing facilities if they go over capacity. In Brownsville, they are already full, and busing them started at midnight. Abbott has stepped in, is going to take as many as he can, and bus them to sanctuary locations like New York, D.C., Kamala Harris's house. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said, It's both sad and tragic when a government official uses migrants as a pawn for political purposes, as if that's not what your administration has done for the last two and a half years. A bus of more than 30 migrants arrived Thursday at the residence of Vice President Kamala Harris's house less than 24 hours after a bus of 40 migrants arrived at the Naval Observatory. The move comes as cities throughout the U.S. are preparing to receive busloads of people at potentially record numbers due to Title 42 expiring. Title 42 allowed officials to turn away people at the border on public health grounds. The expected surge after the Title 42 ends has local leaders warning they are not equipped to welcome them and pleading with the federal government to launch a national resettlement strategy. I wonder why BlackRock purchased all that rental property. Abbott has bused more than 13,000 migrants from his state to Democratic-led cities like New York, Chicago, and Washington, saying that Texas is ill-prepared to handle the massive influx of migrants crossing the border. Think about the contrast of what the president just said and what you've seen Secretary Secretary Mayorkas say when he repeatedly said the border is not open, the border is closed, Abbott said, it's nothing but a lie. The fact of the matter is the border has been open under the Biden administration enticing people to come here illegally. Abbott said Monday that Texas was preparing, preparing to bus thousands more migrants in the coming days. Speaker McCarthy said he plans to call FBI Director Ray on Thursday after the agency rebuffed a subpoena from the House Oversight Committee. For a document, the GOP lawmakers claim lays out an alleged criminal scheme involving President Biden and a foreign national. McCarthy's comments come one day after Christopher Dunham, the acting assistant director of the FBI's Office of Congressional Affairs, penned a letter to the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, informing him the agency would not immediately provide the document in question. One document. Mind you, just one document, and they are not going to provide it. As this was your first communication with the FBI seeking this information, please know the FBI is committed to beginning the constitutionally mandated accommodation process. Dunham wrote, later adding the agency would, be pleased to coordinate with your staff to discuss whether, whether, meaning it's possible not, and how because it's so hard to send one document over. We can accommodate your request without violating our law enforcement and national security obligations. Law enforcement. On Thursday morning, McCarthy called the FBI's response unacceptable. I am going to call Director Ray today because we have oversight of the FBI. And you've been doing a terrible job of it, by the way. We have the right, McCarthy said. Comer is simply following information he has found. We should find all the information. McCarthy also underscored the House's authority to conduct oversight over the FBI. As a member of Congress, it doesn't matter if this person is a Republican or a Democrat. We have oversight of the FBI. If the FBI at any time thinks they can withhold information from Congress, we have a severe problem on our hands. Well, welcome to the party and no fucking shit. Comer and Senator Chuck Grassley subpoenaed the FBI last week after claiming a highly credible whistleblower informed them the FBI has an FD 1023 form in its possession that detailed an alleged scheme involving then Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. And to think, They keep allocating massive amounts of dollars to this overreaching, lawless criminal syndicate and expect us to be okay with it. In the hellhole that is New York, where criminals are released and protectors are prosecuted, it was announced yesterday that Daniel Penny will be arrested in Jordan Neely's chokehold death Friday, Uh, meaning he'll be arrested today. Penny will face a charge of manslaughter in the second degree. Penny is expected to surrender to police this morning. Um, He'll then be arraigned at Manhattan Criminal Court, and the court will determine whether or not to set bail. If found guilty, Penny could face up to 15 years in prison. Ten days after Neely died and more than a dozen protests later, the Manhattan District Attorney announced Thursday second-degree manslaughter charges for Penny, the 24-year-old Marine veteran that was seen holding Neely in a chokehold on the subway for nearly three minutes on May 1st. Penny was questioned by police and released without being charged. The medical, medical examiner's office later ruled Neely's death a homicide. Accountability is key to make changes, said Milton Perez with vocal New York. We want to see this man prosecuted, said Tanisha Grant, with Parents Supporting Parents New York. Okay, Tanisha, put your five-year-old alone on the subway. Let me know how that works out for you as a parent, supporting parents. I'm very glad to hear that. I think it should have happened sooner, but I'm glad to know that there will be some accountability, New York City Councilmember Crystal Hudson said. Neely was a 30-year-old subway performer who witnesses told police had been acting erratically on an F-train and begging for food before Penny intervened. Second-degree manslaughter is when someone recklessly causes the death of another, said New York Law School Professor Anna Kaminsky. What does that say to you, or not say to you, about how the DA's office is viewing this case? Ali Bauman asked, Well, I would say it certainly tells us that they're taking this seriously, and they've determined that there was conduct that was engaged in by Mr. Penny where he had knowledge of the conduct that he was engaging in. He understood that putting a chokehold on someone created the circumstances under which there was a substantial and unjustifiable risk of death. So that's very different from saying it was an accident, Kaminsky said. An attorney for Penny released the following statement Thursday, quote, When Mr. Penny, a decorated Marine veteran, stepped in to protect himself and his fellow New Yorkers, his well-being was not assured. He risked his own life and safety for the good of his fellow passengers. The unfortunate result was the unintended and unforeseen death of Mr. Neely. We are confident that once all the facts and circumstances surrounding this tragic incident are brought to bear, Mr. Penny will be fully absolved of any wrongdoing. Homeless advocates call Penny's arrest the first step on a long road. And while Mayor Eric Adams never called for charges against Penny, he did admit that the city failed nearly. We need to make sure we prevent these things from happening, he said. Well, I can think of how you do that. It's interesting to note this charge is coming before a grand jury decision to indict. Not a traditional case before a jury of your peers where you get to present a defense. Neely's family attorney declined to comment but is expected to speak to the media on Friday. Notable that while the media would like you to believe this is just a poor homeless person that was murdered because he was hungry, Jordan Neely had an extensive arrest record in New York, including 42 arrests on charges that include petty larceny, jumping subway turnstiles, theft, three unprovoked assaults on women in the subway between 2019 and 2021. The case in 2021, Neely punched a 67-year-old woman as she exited the station in the East Village in Lower Manhattan. The woman sustained a broken nose, a fractured orbital bone, and bruising, swelling, and substantial pain to the back of her head after she hit the ground. In the November 12th attack, according to a criminal complaint, Neely pleaded guilty to felony assault on February 9th in exchange for a 15-month alternative to incarceration program. According to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, he was supposed to stay in a treatment facility and abstain from drugs. If he had completed the program, the felony assault would have been reduced to a misdemeanor. But he skipped a compliance court date and left the facility. A warrant was issued for his arrest on February 23rd of this year. From January of 2020 to August 2021, He was arrested for public lewdness after pulling his pants down and exposing himself to a woman, misdemeanor assault for hitting a woman in the face, criminal contempt for violating a restraining order. All three of these cases were dismissed as part of his February 9th plea deal. While his death is tragic, second-degree manslaughter seems an extremely excessive punishment when this man obviously has been known in the local community to be violent and aggressive with people. There are Reddit posts dating back years warning locals about him and his behavior. Your past and even your current situation does not permit you or excuse you to assault, accost, or intimidate fellow citizens. That is your Friday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms out there. We will be having Liberty Happy Hour this evening at 1015 Eastern Standard Time. I hope that you'll join us and join the conversation. Otherwise, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.